Hallelujah. The song that uh, Peter and uh, they were singing is some, some Psalm 73, at least part of it. My heart, my strength, they may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And if you remember, it's um, Asaph who writes that psalm and he says, uh, I looked at the wicked and I was so envious and my feet almost stumbled until I went into the house of the Lord. And then he says, the end result of going and fellowshipping in the house of the Lord is that he finds his strength back. It's so easy for us to fall. Easy. Okay. Um, going uphill is difficult. <laughs> going downhill, don't have to do anything. Gravity will take care. Yeah. So this morning, even as we are here in the presence of the Lord in the last Sunday of this month, let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. Father, we pray, Lord, for your touch this morning over every one of us. We haven't come, Lord, to listen to man. It is your word inspired by your spirit spoken through fallen sinful men. And therefore, Father, I pray that you would animate us, animate, animate me, O Lord. Cleanse me even, Lord, now. Sanctify me and speak to all of us, Lord, through your word. Empty me of all myself, O Lord Jesus, and Lord, you take control. I do not trust in my preparation. I trust in you. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And therefore, this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would touch us. We have come with an expectancy, expectancy in our hearts, O Lord. And therefore, I pray that you would meet us at the point of our need. Father, for those who lack faith, Lord, I pray that you would increase their faith. And Lord, increase our faith and answer us according to our faith. Not according to the measure of faith that we have now. Lord, increase it first, Lord. Because your word says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And therefore, I pray, increase our faith even as we hear your word. And then, Lord, let it be done to us according to our faith. Therefore, this morning, I surrender every one of us into your hands. Anoint us afresh to listen, to speak, to hear, to learn, and to obey. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, we've been, uh, if, you'll, if you've been start, uh, uh, I mean, was, uh, following the teachings on, on Saturday, we've been looking at the BCDs and uh, uh, we looked at two parts of the BCDs in the last two sun- Saturdays, we looked at uh, to be holy and uh, so important f- for us to realize that God says, he, he commands us be holy as I am holy. And we looked at the fact that uh, for us to become holy is a response of God's love toward us. And the word church, you know, it comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which means the people who have been called out, a people who have been set apart, not set apart for themselves, but set apart to God. Not set apart for their own purposes, but set apart for the purposes of God. Not set apart for their own glory, to seek their own glory, but to have been set apart to to find and give glory to God. That is essentially what a church means. A bunch of people who are who do not are not interested in the praise of men, but 
who have this ambition, Lord, let your name be glorified, who will say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the very first call when the church began on the day, day of Pentecost and Peter is preaching the very first sermon, the very first sermon, the call to the people who obeyed or received his word is to come out. That's where we'll start today, Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. You crucified him. He was just, he was holy, he was righteous, he did not do any sin, but yet you crucified him unjustly and the Jesus whom you crucified is extending mercy and saying, Father, forgive them. So when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and they said, "Men, uh, to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Father for the remission of sins and you will or shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children. So he says, repent, change your mind, change your, the way you think and be baptized. And then you will receive forgiveness of sins and you'll also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he, he goes on to say, he doesn't stop there. Look at what it says in verse 40. And with many other words, you see, uh, the call to repentance was very short. And Luke is a person who is, uh, who's concising. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's only giving you the gist of what Peter spoke. Peter spoke so many words. Okay. To convince them, boss, you can't stay here now that you received mercy from God. Okay. So with many words, it was a very large sermon and therefore uh, Luke only gives us the title. And he says, figure that out, what he said. And, see, and he says the title of the sermon that Peter spoke was, Be saved from this perverse, untoward, twisted generation. And then those who, what, gladly received this word of coming out and from this untoward generation, that, that is genuine repentance. What does genuine repentance lead to? Genuine repentance leads to separation from the world. Now, because you have, because it's the goodness of God which leads us to repentance. Now, if good God is so kind to me and so good to me, how can I live for myself anymore? And what do you do? The natural process is that you get baptized and then you say, Lord, I want to be yours. So those who gladly received the word were baptized. You know, when I was um, preparing for today and I was thinking, you know, it was the, the, the word on holiness is always very close to my heart. You see, um, because God is holy and ultimately... Uh, he is holy and the, the one cry in heaven is what? Holy, holy, holy. And if you want to dwell with him for all eternity, you also have to be holy as he is holy. And one of the things that the enemy constantly tries to do is to break our separation, to, to compromise our separation. Okay, and that is something which we need to guard our heart from. And if you look at the book of Judges, now I'm going to show you a few verses. I'm going to show you a pattern, you know, the two ways of teaching. One is precept, the other is pattern. What is that? Precept, pattern. Precept is line upon line, 
here upon, uh, I mean, uh, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. It is like uh, axioms and, and truths and, uh, and, and, and teachings that God does. That is precept. And then in order to understand the precept, God shows a pattern. Okay, so how do you take that precept and apply it in our lives? Okay, so we need to know both. We need to know the precept and we need to know the pattern. So I'm going to show you a pattern and then draw out the precept. Okay, let us do that. Okay, let us do Judges chapter 2. Show you a pattern. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them. Who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Okay. As a result, what happened? They compromised their separation. Look at what it says. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Do you see that? So, verse 14, Judges chapter 3, verse 14. So the children of Israel served did they will in the sight of the Lord and the children of Israel served Eglon for several 18 years. And what happened after that? The children of Israel cried out. So that was a pattern. So pattern in the, in, in judges is they do evil in the sight of the Lord by, by serving other gods. We also do evil in the sight of the Lord by serving other gods. And what is other gods? The work of our own hands. Our career maybe or whatever it is. Which, which takes up most of our energy and attention. Okay? So, done evil in the sight of the Lord by serving other gods and when they were in distress, the children of Israel, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord. Okay? You see that? Pattern number one. You'll see it again. Judges chapter four. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel did again evil in the Side of the Lord and God delivered them to somebody who are that person is Sisera here in this case and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then Judges chapter 6. There are seven judges. Okay. I'm just looking at a few. Uh, then children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and God delivered them to Midian's, Midianites. This is uh, the story of Gideon. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Okay. Another thing. Fourth one. Judges chapter 10. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And of course, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And the Lord, generally what happens when the children of Israel cry out to the Lord, the Lord raises up a judge to deliver them. Now, Judges chapter 13. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord handed them over to the Philistines. Okay, this is uh, chapter 13 and verse 1. Who oppressed them for how many years? 40 years. Then what happened? What is missing? Ah, they did not cry out of the Lord. Over. But still, God raised. Okay, let me give you an example as to what is happening over here. Okay. <laughs> uh, my dad used to work in the railways. Now he's retired. So we used to have free passes to go to any place in the city, in India, okay? Those days before he got a promotion, we used to have a sleeper class pass, right? So I used to, we used to travel by sleeper class. And one of the excitements for me is when we are going from Hyderabad to Vizag. 
I used to write down every station. You know, that was an excitement because we were going for a vacation and that was vacation, two months of vacation with grandparents where the buffalo comes home and you drink milk fresh. And she makes you the best of all the food, okay? And then you go to different, different places, you enjoy, you have a blast. So we look forward to the vacation and when you come back from vacation, of course, you have a heavy heart. No, that, I'm not talking about the vacation. So even as we go to Vizag, I used to, you know, oh, now Tuni has come, next Elementary, then Anakapalli, then Vizag. And typically sleeper class, what happens is that you open the window and you, and you watch to, onto the platform, right? Just by mistake, if your platform comes to the close to the toilet of the railway station, okay, those days, now at least, now it maybe there are solar complexes, I don't know. What happens, you know, immediately, it's written as what, latrine, those days, I don't know if you guys know what the main latrine, latrine. You know, when, uh, when, when people used to word, use the word latrine, see, no, that's how the reaction was, latrine. What is latrine? No, it's very, very funny, okay? When I was, when I traveled in the train and you go to the railway station, it's latrine. Go into the latrine, I say, babachi, latrine. Then after I got a promotion, I was going to, going abroad, I was traveling in a jet airways flight from here to Delhi. And in the flight, there is lavatory. I said, what is lavatory? Posh word for latrine. But almost the same, okay? And then you are traveling and you, uh, you, you, you go to Delhi and now you take an international flight and you're going to, uh, I, I took an Air France flight and I was landing in, uh, uh, the French Paris airport. And when you go to the Paris airport, now it is no longer latrine or lavatory. If you go to the airport, it is washroom. Oh, super washroom. Ah, it's, a, it's some kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting better and better now, the word, no? And then from, uh, Paris and go travel all the way to Canada and one day one, my uncle invites me to his home for Thanksgiving. Okay, posh home, Toronto. And he said, Vijay, the restrooms are there. Ooh, what is restroom? You have a bed over there? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 what, what, I mean, because I never heard restroom, okay? I know latrine. I don't know, restroom, okay. So from uh, latrine to rest, restroom, oh, restroom. And then of course in US and Canada, when you go into the toilet, you want to sleep there, basically, almost it's like that. So, so they have sanctified poop, okay, that's, that, uh, that's, a, that's, a different, that's a different story altogether. No, what, what am I saying is, you, want, you know what? The, by the way, the word latrine comes from, I was looking at the etymology, because when I, I, I get excited with words, I want to know, dissect, and what, the latrine comes from the word laver, okay, from which, from where you wash, lavatory means a place where you wash yourself, okay, so washroom is still okay, euphemism, restroom, restroom, for India, restroom, there is restroom means, what do you really say, bedroom, no, so, no, th- look at this, look at latrine, okay? Latrine, when you go in that uh, place, in that, in the train, on, in the, close to the latrine, you will get that stench. Immediately, but you will close the window. Stench, unbearable. Okay? The radius of that stench is almost like, you can measure it, I don't know. <sighs> okay, you don't want to go anywhere near that stench. Now, that is the problem, because you know, <laughs> you say that, no? But there's one guy who's there who's washing the toilet. And that guy, in India, he's chabaying pan. And he's spitting and he's washing. I'm saying, it's stinking. 
to me, almost like 10 meters away from him. This guy is right there near the poop. And how is he that he is not even bothered? You know what I, what I call that? It's called desensitization of sin. You're completely desensitized. No, this is normal for you. This is normal. No, that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. Now, what has happened? Every time they were in distress, they cried out, God raised a deliverer. They cried out, God raised a deliverer. After a while, 40 years, they absolutely respond. No crying out. They have been totally, totally desensitized. The problem is that. Question is, have you been desensitized? We are living in an environment, my dear brothers and sisters, where we are absolutely desensitized. Desensitized. It's not desanitized. (laughs) Desensitized. We wash our hands because we are afraid of corona, but we do not wash our hands because we are not concerned about sin. You know why? Because we don't think sin is more filthy than the washroom. You see, there was this pastor who had this children, no? Pastor, pastor's children. To become a pastor's kid, okay, it's not easy, alright? They're constantly on the watch. So the pastor finished his preaching, he came into the, into his office, and there was a, a bunch of cookies, okay, made by his children, and there was a letter. You know, there was a letter. Okay, so pastor was like very happy and he looked to put the bunch of cookies to the side. And then there was a letter. Daddy, dear daddy, these cookies are for you. Bribe, basically, okay. These cookies are for you, daddy. Can we go for this movie? In the, in the movie theater. What is the name of the movie? This is the name of the movie. With love. Your children. Pastor looked at the cookies, you know, and he looked at the movie name. He's a guy like me who went to IMDb. Okay, sorry, Russian, okay? He went to uh, internet movie database. Okay? And he checked out the movie. Fantastic movie, but he went, it was PG-13 rated also. Now PG-13, these days PG-13. <laughs> you just have to laugh, okay? So he looked at uh, the reviews and then he looked at the content. He said there is 10 seconds of vulgarity. Then uh, he called his children. Dad, you're not going to the movie. But dad, friends told me it's a fantastic movie. Dad, it's, it's got so many fantastic themes. Good versus evil. And ultimately, evil, good triumphs. Evil gets defeated. Beautiful characters. There's a lot of integrity. There's, uh, there is mora- morality. But there is, dad, just 10 seconds of immorality. Just 10 seconds. And he says, I am the boss of this home. I am the boss of this home. You are not going to the movie. Period. So the the children are a little upset. They go to the room and they are sulking. And uh, pastor goes to the kitchen and he starts baking some nice cookies. Now for the children. The children are getting the aroma of the cookie. Now they are thinking, daddy learned his lesson. He's feeling very bad that he said no to us. Maybe he's trying to make up with us, etc. 
So after the tray is baked, he calls the children. He says, come on children, let's have some uh, cookies. He says, so, okay. But let me also tell you what I made these cookies with. I made it with a fantastic organic stuff. I'm, I had this, I mean, Rachel's cooking, no? Rachel's the most healthy, organic, with jaggery, etc., etc. But there's one ingredient, ingredient in that, which is also organic, which also put it in the, in the, in the cookie, which I'm not going to tell you what it is. You don't even will feel it. You just eat it. They said, dad, come on, dad, tell us what it is. No, 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 it's organic. It's only a very little organic stuff. I put it, it's homogenized now. It's become a very nice homogenized mixture. So you don't, you will not feel it. So it's okay. Eat it. Come on, dad. Please tell us, tell us the name of that. It's, it's found in a backyard. He said, what is found in a backyard? What is that organic thing that you can find in a backyard? You want to know the name of it? He gave, I'll give you the scientific name. He said, canine bowel movements. Canine bowel movements? I mean, these guys are still not, uh, <laughs> they haven't seen Kate and Leopold, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you remember that <laughs> scene in Kate and Leopold? Uh, this guy takes his dog for a walk. He's come from the past with all his Victorian dressing. Now he's taking his dog on the new, on the streets of New York. And suddenly what, a do- what does, what does the dog do? It poops. In Canada and US, you cannot just say, <laughs> go away. You know what you should do? You should clean it off. So the officer is standing right there and she says, Sir, are you going to take that and put it away? And he says, Sir, take what? That thing over there? She says, uh, hmm, I'm not going to do it. She says, do you, don't you know that is against the law? And he says, madam, are you suggesting that there is a law which compels gentlemen to take care of canine bowel movements? And she says, I'm suggesting that you take the poop and put it away. He says, I disagree. Respectfully. So he says, no, the pastor said, canine bowel movements. They said, what is canine bowel movement? Dog poop. Very little. Very homogenized. Will you eat it? Immediately. No. You see, that little thing. The problem is, <laughs> we have become very desensitized to sin these days. Look at what Susanna Wesley told John Wesley about sin. What is sin, Mama? Can you please tell me? The words of Susanna Wesley. Okay, we know this very well, right? Take this rule. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures the sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things. In short, whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over the mind, that however innocent it might seem is sin for you. Now take that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. That is sin. Little leaven. The problem is, many men of God can get desensitized to sin. That's exactly what happened to David. He cut the edge of Saul's garment. And what happened? His conscience bothered him and he said, Oh my goodness, how could I touch God's anointed? And Can you imagine, this fellow is after his life. Who? Saul. He is touching the person who wants to kill him and he's convicted. 
we touch the people who don't want to kill us and then we are still not convicted we are still not convicted okay the point is this what happens over a period of time now he is taken wife after wife after wife after wife after wife after wife after wife, after wife. now he's taken his neighbor's wife his best friend's wife his person was loyal to him that wife and he is absolutely not bothered what has happened desensitized no the problem is what is god's answer to the situation where israel has finds israel finds itself in a person a people and a society which is absolutely okay with the most debaucherous thing i remember those days when we used to have star tv right i mean one scene used to come in the uh thing they switch it off now the entire family watches together no problem see yesterday there was a question no <laughs> uh, is it violent movies etc what has happened people the vi- movies have become increasingly violent increasingly vulgar increasing the number of partners obscuring genders okay accommodating everybody in the name of tolerance understand we are living in that society and what is god's answer you know what god raises up whom does god raise up a nazarite <laughs> what is that a nazarite see god's answer for a peep, for a pape for a society or for a culture which has been absolutely desensitized to sin is a church which has a nazarite attitude okay judges chapter 15 but do the people accept it no look at this judges chapter 15 verse 9 onwards okay this is the new living translation the philistines retaliated by setting up camp in judah and spreading out near the town of lehi the men of judah asked the philistines why are you attacking us the philistines replied we have come to capture samson we have come to pay him back for what he did to us and then you know what they say so the 3000 men of judah went down to get samson <laughs> they said to samson don't you realize the philistines who's dominating who pastor was talking about dominating right sin shall not have dominion that means what will you do you will dominate sin but who's dominating you know sin is dominating He says, "What are you doing to us? What are you doing?" See, every time a society or a culture goes into a place of absolute desensitized—I mean, they are absolutely desensitized to sin—God's answer is a Nazarite or a Nazarite church person in the old covenant, a Nazarite church in the new covenant. We are what we call as a salt of the earth, and salt has two characteristics. First thing, it adds taste. Okay, and there's a there's a saying in Telugu. Upuleka, no ruchi. There is no taste without salt. So, if you want to be tasty to God, you have to have salt. That is the reason why I say have salt in yourself, and every sacrifice has to be what seasoned with salt. Salt has another nature too. It delays what corruption. 
It doesn't stop corruption. It only delays corruption. So you and I, if we are called the salt of the earth, what are we supposed to do? By the by our very presence scattered, we don't have to put a lot of salt. We just have to put a little pinch of salt. Salt for taste, as I say, right? Right? And therefore, what, what, what does salt essentially do? It delays decay. And so you and I, by the very presence in the society, what are we doing? We are delaying the decay of the society. And making it tasty to God so that he can show mercy. So God was looking for how many righteous people in <laughs> what? In Sodom? Ten. And did he find ten? No. Understand? So God's answer is always a church or a bunch of people or a group of people or an individual who is a Nazarite. For example, if you turn to First Samuel chapter 2, this is uh, Samuel, and you know what happens to the priesthood there? Now, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. <laughs> Can you imagine this? The sons of the high priest are the sons of the devil. Can you imagine that? And they did not know the Lord. And what were they doing? They were despising the offering of the Lord, and they were doing the most heinous acts right in the presence of God. They don't have, they, they, they have no respect at all for, there's no fear of God at all. They lost all fear of God. And in that situation, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was very precious in those days and there was not what? No open vision or prophetic revelation. There's no open vision. So what does, how does a church, how does a church fight, fight the corruption in our lives, how do we fight? By having what we call as a prophetic vision. Why? Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 will say, where there is no revelation or prophetic vision, what happens? People cast off all restraint. That is new freedom. What is the new freedom? People casting off all restraint. I remember, no, I'm telling you, I experienced this in my own life, no? 2004, New England. You know, New England, where you have the best universities. You have Harvard, you have Yale, you have MIT. Top schools, okay? We had a conference in uh, New England, that is in Boston. So, we were a bunch of guys going from a university. And so, we were asked by a prof to, he was funding this entire trip. So, he, he, he said, go to the cheapest hotel, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was browsing through, we were browsing through the hall, the list of hotels. And close to the conference venue, cheapest hotel. So, we booked I think it was about $150 for three nights or something like that. Very nice price for Boston. And so we reached Boston sometime around 11 o'clock in the night. Okay? And so we went to the place where we were supposed to be put up. And there was a rainbow flag over there. And we were a bunch of boys. I'm telling you, you know what what a rainbow flag is, right? I mean, uh, don't look so innocent. Okay? Shocked. For the very first time in my life I saw that. This is the place where who was there? Jonathan Edwards. Who started the revival. Who wrote Sinners in the Hands of of an Angry God. Who wrote Religious Affections which inspired a generation. And what has happened a few generations down the line you have what? And (laughs) I had an Iranian friend, no? Both of us were sharing a room together. I mean, like, we were feeling so awkward over there. Can you imagine? In India? Are you can go like this. 
In US, if you go like that, something is wrong. You see? That's what happens. And I'm telling you, there are places in Montreal, two metro stations, it's called Gay Village. Total, two metro stations. It's separate for them. Unbelievable. What has happened? We are talking about Christian nations, how they have become totally desensitized. And what is the only people who can rescue such a, such a generation is a church like Samuel who said, you know what the mother said? From his childhood, what will I do? I will not allow the razor to come onto his head. Let's fast forward into the new covenant. We looked at Samson. We looked at Samuel. There are three, three, three Nazarites in the entire covenant, in the, in the entire Bible who are Nazarites from their, from their mother's womb. Essentially a type of a believer who was born again. A type. Okay. So we come to fast forward to, to, to the new covenant. And who's the Nazarite in the new covenant? Excuse me? John the Baptist, who said, from his mother's womb, he will not what? Taste what? Strong drink. And why was he raised? Because 400 years of silence, everybody's happy. Ah, it's okay. Messiah was supposed to come. Hey, uh, do you know Messiah was supposed to be born? Do you know the prophecy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Micah chapter 5 verse 8. No, it's there. He's born, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They didn't believe it. They thought it was a bunch of stories. And in that place of absolute spiritual apathy, you have what? Uh, John the Baptist who comes. Where the word of God comes to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. But the problem is, people do accept him? No. They don't like it. No, in spite of the fact that people don't like it, it is for their sake. It's remember, I, I remember yesterday a pastor was talking about, he says, uh, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. John's gospel, chapter 17, verse 17, right? And then it goes on to say, 18 and 19, he says, for their sake, what do I do? I sanctify myself. Who's saying this? Jesus himself is saying that. For their sake, I sanctify myself. I keep myself apart for them. I could have had so many people, but I set myself apart for these people, for their sake. Will people accept him? No. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. That's what, look look at what it says in Amos chapter 2. Also, it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. I raised you up of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as what? Nazarites. Is it not so, you children of Israel, says the Lord? But what did you do? But you gave the Nazarites what? Wine to drink and you commanded the prophets saying, don't prophesy. Okay. So, (laughs) look at what it says in Judges chapter 5. The then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day saying, when the leaders lead in Israel. You know what the word leaders is? The long-haired ones who let their <laughs> hair loose. That means the Nazarites. Who were leading the, the battle of Barak? The leaders. And that is the reason why, you know, most of the times when you come to my Bible study, you say, one of the, one of the constant ways I address, you know, how they say, I say, my brother, Brothers, generally I say, not that I'm not balanced, brothers and sisters, right? Why do I say brothers? Why do I keep on addressing the men? It's because it's the men who are supposed to take the leadership position in a home. It is they who are supposed to lead. 
God has given them the responsibility to lead a home. But the problem is, we do yoga. You know what yoga is, right? There's an asanam called sirshasanam. What is sirshasanam? Heads down, legs up. Either we have sirshasanam, yoga, yogi, or you have people with homes with two heads. From two heads, you have two visions. And therefore, we get division. Division. And therefore, it says, when the long-haired ones, the Nazarites, when they lead, and if the people follow, what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see that? That is the reason why, you know what it says to Abraham? He would command his children. Remember that? Command us, children. We are a new lump in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we have to take sin very seriously. Can't compromise. First Corinthians chapter 5. It says, it is reported commonly among you that there is fornication. <laughs> Look at this church now. <laughs> you are happy. <laughs> Absolutely comfortable with it. You know what Paul says? He says, you have not moaned. You are an unleavened lump. Therefore, take out the old leaven. Purge it out. So, morning today, I just want to look at briefly. What does it mean to be a spiritual Nazarite? Challenge all of us, beginning with me. Who is a spiritual Nazarite? What is the DNA, if you will, of a spiritual Nazarite? Let us see three lessons as to what it is, what it means to be a spiritual. Three broad, broad lessons which in, within that you have some sub, subsections as well. Numbers chapter 6 will say, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take a vow of a Nazareth. Now by the way, now all the priests were consecrated to the Lord. Right? Remember? Now you know he's saying, I'm giving you a chance. Let us, let us say some of you guys who are not of the Le- Levitical tribe. Okay? And you want and you want to be separated, you want to separate yourself from the Lord. And you miss the opportunity. I'm giving you an opportunity. What is the opportunity? You can become a Nazarite. So how should he become a Nazarite? Uh, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink or strong drink, it says in other translations. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. And then it goes on to say, neither, neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or even raisins. Can you imagine, even raisins also you should not eat. Okay, don't even taste. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced from grape wine, from seed to skin. Nothing. He has to keep keep himself away from a grape wine, wine drink. Okay. Goes on to say. Next goes on to say. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of his hair, of the hair of his head grow. Then goes on to say, all the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister. When they die, because his separation to God is on his head. And look at this. All the days of his separation, he shall be 
holy to the Lord. Now, now when we look at this, you look at the strict judgment, strict ordinances are given. Now, when you like yesterday, you should always look at it in light of a relationship. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Okay, Peter, I'm just giving you an example. Okay, Peter is going to get married very soon. Okay, just imagine. Okay, Peter, just imagine. Okay, because Peter in the old, in the New Testament also got married, so he had a wife. So, so Peter gets married, <clears throat> and after gets married, uh, they. They're coming together, they meet each other for the first time and Peter's, you know, the first night we are discussing all, they want to discuss about their life and their future. Before they start discussion, Peter says, honey, you are also my wife. What, what did he say? Oh, you are also my wife. And she was like, what do you mean uh, also my wife? No, 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 no. Uh, I just have this mistress over here. Six days with you. Six days with you. Separated. One day I will just go on a date with her. What will she do? That's exactly what he's saying. Separated to myself. Meaning, you shall have no other gods apart from me means... You are mine. I am not also your husband. You are my husband, period. Understand? You know why? In India, we have dowry. Therefore, we buy husbands. Okay. We don't take dowry only this much, this much. That is all bunkum. We take, but you know what? Actually, biblically, the husband actually has to give a price for the bride. That is biblical. That's the right price. God says something very interesting. He uses a very interesting word when he defines the identity of every believer who's born again. He gives us a new identity. First Peter chapter two. <clears throat> but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, what? His own special, you know what the word for own special people is? His purchased possession. How did he purchase? By his own blood. That's the dowry he paid for you. So, when we are saying Nazareth, he's saying, Lord, I am making a choice that in my life, I'm never going to give you an opportunity to say, I am also your husband. Never. So, when we look at Nazarite vows, we are like, oh, so strict. No, no, no. Look at it in the terms of a relationship of love. When you are absolutely in love with this girl or a boy, boy, manasanta, nuve, what is Manasana? I'm always thinking about you. Always. Can't sleep. Three, three, three in the morning. Those days we had landlines and the telephone bill was paid by our parents, basically. Three in the morning, four in the morning, without you baby, what good am I? Etc. What is that? It's a language of, and you know what? It is a love, if you read the song of songs, it's called the song of all songs. Why is it a song of all songs? Because it is a song, it's a love song. Love song? <laughs> song of all songs. And 
That is what he's talking about. Why is he saying this? Because it's a love relationship. Remember? When you write one letter to your, those days we used to write letters to each other, nowadays we don't. Huh? We have what WhatsApp nonsense. Huh? Those days, still those days, I used to remember, I used to, I was in IIT Kanpur, I used to get letters from my would-be. No? Letters. And what we used to do? Bah. Read, 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 read. So many times you read, Ray. Again you read. That's exactly how you read the Bible. I read the same emotion so many times. But every time it's new. You know why? It's like wine. That is the reason why it says, let your the wife of your youth satisfy you all times. Let you be drunk by her love. That's the word. That's the language of the Bible. It's love language, my dear brothers. So when he says, you are separated unto me, don't say, why is he, why are we separated to you? It's love. Passionate, passionate love. Crazy love. Remember that sermon? Crazy love sermon? Not book by Francis Chan. Message by Pastor James. Okay. Crazy love. How did you buy this Gomer? Who was absolutely unfaithful to you? I emptied my pockets. Any more change? Hey, please, please, please. Little more money. Please, let me buy her. You know what God did? He emptied his bank account. Who is it? His own son. Own special people. Do you have the sense? See, when you that is the reason why God compares the relationship with him with the relationship with an husband and wife. Romance. He created it so that ultimately we will romance him. Not even our wife or our husband. Because he will <laughs> disappoint you. Very sooner than later you will realize that. Okay, now, That is the reason why love is blind. Cliche. Marriage is the eye opener. Revelation in a relationship. You will have tremendous revelations okay, of yourself. Not even the other person. Of your own self. You will see how pathetically selfish you are. Okay. If this be the case of a relationship between husband and wife, it is better not to <laughs> marry, says Peter. You will get married. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 6. Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter 6. Look at what it says. Notice every word. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Who is it? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Notice Holy Spirit over there. Okay, this comes, becomes very significant when you study the study about Nazarite. Okay? Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? That's the reason why when, when, when Paul is ta- talking about husbands and wives, your body does not belong to you, it belongs to your husband. Your, your body does not belong to you, it belongs to your wife. You do not belong to yourself, you belong to one another. So do not defraud each other, he says. Why? Because you, I gave my body to you and now I'm asking you to give yourself to me. It's the relationship in response. We love him because what? He first loved us. Okay. No, some, some, sometimes you know, when we go to a, a, go to a wedding, no? We'll see the picture. We'll see the boy. And we'll see the girl. Girl side. Antem baledo. Okay. What did she see in him? I don't know. That is girl side. Boy side? She is an average. I don't know what he saw in her. The angels are looking at the wedding between Jesus and the church. What did he see in them? 
what did he say? Imagine a girl, no? I remember this story about this <laughs> this girl who's a who's lost her parents. He had a she had a brother. She's living in a, another village, and the rich man from the next town comes. Okay. And when she comes, and he comes, he looks at this girl, falls in love with the girl. And he says, I'm going to marry you. So this boy, his only relative that he has is this, this elder sister. Now she's going to get married to him. So she says, she takes the brother and he says, I'm going to my husband's home. Please take uh, this my brother of mine. Please take care of him. Gives it to the uncle. Gives him to the uncle. Okay. But the guys, you know what he does? When she's leaving, he gets into the trunk of the car and escapes. And once he reaches the boy's home, they open the trunk and this fellow just runs out of the trunk and he comes and hugs the uh, sister and says, Akka, I can't live without you. And then, you know, the husband who has tears in his eyes and he says, your brother also stays with us. And you know, she looks at her, looks at this man and he says, what did you see in us that you love us so much? That you are able to take care of me and even my son. We don't deserve this. That is what God did to us. And in response to that, he says, please be what? Separate to me. You see, you should look at it in that context. Then you will see the whole big picture. Now, what are we? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, what should you do? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay. So first, Numbers chapter 6. What should you do? Neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh grapes. In other words, do not play with sin. I, I died for sin. Don't play with sin anymore. Don't play with sin. Because, I'll tell you why. Because we are living in a decentralized culture. I mean, especially when you go to the West, you'll see all this, okay? If we, I never saw all this. When I went to the West, it was a culture shock, really. A culture shock for me. I went to the washroom, okay? In the university. University washroom, there was a vending machine. Boys washroom, there's a vending machine. Now, you know who what is there in the vending machine. Uh, Everybody is laughing. Amma, not, not innocent. Okay. A vending machine, you put a dollar and you get a C. Okay. Fill in the blanks. What a C is. I looked at that and I said, boy, so freely available in the university. In other words, commit sin carefully. Commit sin. But take a precautions. Why do we want virus for HIV? <laughs> that is one virus we are not able to tackle. You know why? Commit sin carefully. Don't play with sin. Sin is disastrous. Proverbs chapter 23. We know this very well. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup. Have you seen wine? At last, what does it do? It Bites like a serpent. That's the reason why, you know what? The whole world is based upon a principle of lust. It's what we call as a law of diminishing returns. The more you drink, the less you are satisfied. The more you drink, the less you are satisfied. The more you watch movies, the less you want to, the less you enjoy the movie. Why do people watch certain movies 25 times, 30 30 times? They spend hours and hours and hours. Web series 1, series 2, series 3, series 4, series 5. Why? You're never satisfied. Don't play. Because it'll, 
it'll 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 kill your appetite i'll tell you what what it does very soon okay then it stinks like a viper it says they have struck me but i have not what hurt what has happened now what has happened to you you lost sense for sin anymore completely been desensitized that's exactly how Samson's story starts, no? Judges chapter 14. Samson went down to Timna and he, what did he see? He saw a woman, he says, please, I want her as my wife. Parents are very upset. Hmm. This is an uncircumcised person, what do you want? He says, you know what? She pleases me. She is right in my own eyes. That's it. And finally, you know that, what happens to Samson. Don't play with sin. First thing, don't play with sin. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 24. It says, the path of life leads upward for the prudent to keep them going down to the realm of the dead. What does it do? Path of the upright is upward all the, all the time. All the time upward. So you know when you teach your children cycling, you know, how do they, for them to go up is very easy. To go come down, Going, going up is very difficult. Come down. Huh. Easy. And what happens? You lose your appetite for the word of God. You lose. Isaiah chapter 28. They have erred through wine. Through intoxicating drink. I'll show you. I'll give you an example again. Just to give you an example to understand, to make you understand. No? Just imagine... Justin and I, we were going for our first vacation. Okay, first vacation. Okay. It was 2009, 2010. All planned, we were going to Sri Lanka for five days. A fantastic vacation, everything was planned. We had a chauffeur who was going to drive us through Sri Lanka for 700, 800 kilometers. Okay, chauffeur driven car. So first vacation, we want to have a blast. So I tell my boss, no, sir, I'm going uh, for the vacation. He says, uh, very reluctantly, he gave me a leave. But I, I went regardless. We were supposed to fly from Chennai. So till Chennai, we took a train. So we, are enjo- we enjoyed the train journey too. And on when I reached Chennai, I got a call from my boss. Vijay, your paper got rejected. Uh, you've been working in the lab for six months now. What is this, Vijay? The reviews are very tough. You have to see the reviews. Boss, I'm on a vacation. Just leave me alone. No? That will be my, at least my but my boss will know. He doesn't care. No, he says, once you come back, we have to look into this. Wait. See, what can I do now? Anyways, he says that. No, no, look at me. What will happen to me now? Gone. For first two days, I was lost. And you know, your wife knows exactly when your heart is in it or not. You can't fake it. Okay. It's like this, no? It's like this. I'll give you an example. Just imagine, I invite you to my home for dinner. I crab, okay? Non-kosher. Crabs, beautiful, nice, appetizing aroma. Biryani, prawns, everything. Seven courses. Perfect number. The moment you enter, you're coming from work. Okay? You're coming from work now. I invited you on a Thursday. Coming from work. And you moment you enter into my home, the aroma strikes you. Okay? The fragrance has cast its spell on you now. And just before you're sitting uh, on the dinner to eat, 
You want to enjoy it now. It's all, all the juices have come out. Your, it's, your tongue is, I mean, salivating and juices in your stomach. You're feeling doubly hungry. You get a call from your boss. Just imagine. You know what? I found an error in your program. What will happen to the dinner? The best of dinner. It's gone. You know why? Suddenly something has come and taken its space. But you cannot even enjoy the best. That's exactly what happens during the word of God. Every Sunday, a pastor prepares a seven course meal for us. It's appetizing and smelling. But what happens to many of us? We are drunk with the world. Do we have appetite for the word of God? It's lost. Intoxicating drink. You know what happens to these people? These are priests. And you know what they say to the word of God? Can I teach knowledge to these fellows? No. For them, the word of God is precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Now we know the, in the New Testament, we know the meaning of it. You know what the Hebrew is? Savlasai, savlasai, kavlakai, kavlakai. You know what it means? Yada, 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 yada. Same old, same old. Every Sunday we go, the same old message. Yada, 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 yada. And what do you do? You slowly you will sneak out to the church and you go downstairs. That is the same old message we heard so many times. What has happened? You have lost the appetite for the word of God. You know why? Because you have been drunk with the world. You lost. You have been desensitized to sin and you have been desensitized to the spiritual things. Yada, yada, yada. Same old, same old. I have heard it so many times from so many people. It's the same old. Nothing new. You are like that. those people in Greece, no? All the time they have only one, one job, to listen to something new. What this babbler will say, we want to hear. Once he talks about resurrection, ah, no, 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 no. We will hear about this some other time. Mark chapter 4 will say this, no? It says, the cares of this word, and what does it do? The deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, what do they do? They come and choke. You know what choking means? You know, remember choke, right? Choke means they will just kill the life of the spirit from you, that you will not have any appetite for spiritual things anymore. That is what sin does, my dear brothers. It desensitizes you to the holiness of God, and also desensitizes you to the word of God. This is, to be carnally minded is what? Death. What is death? This is spiritual death. You don't enjoy the spiritual things anymore. I was telling Peter the other day, you know, you don't enjoy fellowship anymore. First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 15. If you have the KJV Bible, you can turn through it. You know what it says? These two fellows, they were addicted to the body of Christ. Have you seen the word addicted? I didn't put it here. First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 15. I have never seen the word until recently when I was studying, I was listening to so many, so much of preaching and I came, I was just, just came across this word. They've been addicted to the body of Christ. That is a good addiction to have. Addicted to the body of Christ. You can't live without the body of Christ. That is the reason why Jeremiah chapter 4 will say, you know what it says? It says, for thus says the Lord, Break up your fallow ground and do not what? Sow among thorns. Take it away. Because sin has an evil habit of destroying your appetite for spiritual things. Okay, don't play with sin. Don't toy with sin. When sinners entice you, run for your life. The first lesson. 
Numbers chapter 6. Let's go to the second one which is most important. Which will be the center for today's teaching. I want you to concentrate and pay attention to this very carefully. All the days of the vow of his separation. No razor shall come upon his head. Until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be what? Holy. And then he shall let the locks of his hair and head grow. All the days of his vow. The the six, five lessons here. First lesson. In every vow there is what? Sacrifice. It's a vow. I told you right. Husband and wife, they make vows. Of course, they don't, nowadays they have a fashion of writing their own vows. They make vows till death do us part. It's a vow. And in any relationship which is, which is, which is genuine, there cannot be a genuine relationship without sacrifice. Look at what it says in Psalm 50 verse 5. Gather to me the consecrated people who made a covenant with me with what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. You counted the cost. But you know what? Love never counts the cost. Remember that? Never, never counts the cost. Nothing is too expensive for you. So I remember, no, I'm telling you from my own life. First stipend I got. What did I buy? Hmm, a ring. To whom I know. Nothing is expensive. Because you what? You're quoting. Nothing is expensive. Love never counts the cost. Therefore it says in Romans chapter 12 it says offer your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice. 13.5 will say therefore let him continually offer the sacrifice of what? Praise to your God. John's gospel chapter 12 look at what it says when Mary comes and says why was this fragrant oil not sold? (laughs) Mark 14 will say why this waste? (laughs) Why this what? Waste of this perfume. Why this waste? But you know what? God also wasted his son on us. Waste. Why this waste? That's love. Love never counts the cost. There's always sacrifice in love. Second lesson. First, in every vow there is a sacrifice. It is a part of your head. Meaning what? Your sacrifice here. Where where is it? This is your head, right? Your mind, your attitudes and thoughts is totally controlled by what? By, By God. So you offer your bodies and you also offer your mind. You're saying, Lord, transform my mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that which is good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember that? We keep saying this. Why? First offer your bodies. It's a sacrifice. And when you love, you never count the cost. And then be transformed. Say, Lord, change the way I think. Proverbs 13 verse 15. Good understands, gives favor, but the way of transgressors is what? Very hard. They find it very hard to love. You know why they are transgressing? But when you are in love, love with God, nothing is hard. Because your thoughts have changed. Right? Psalm 119 verse 97. Look at what it says. Oh, how I love your law. What do I do? I meditate it. How long? All the day. I'm always constantly thinking about your word. First Peter chapter, first Peter chapter one verse thirteen. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, let your hope on the grace be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. What does it mean? This mind, Lord, belongs to you. Let me be sober. 
So what do you do? Philippians chapter 4 will give you, give you the, uh, the solution for this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what should you do? Think on such things. Think on such things. So first, every vow has a sacrifice. Second, it is a part of your head. Your mind, your attitudes is totally controlled by God. That is by, by, by his word. Third, it is a mark of consecration. It is also an outward symbol which makes you accountable to God and to people. That means what? That means what? You have to witness. You become a witness for God, right? John's Gospel chapter 5. This is what is what it, what it says about John. You have sent you have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive the testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning light and he was the shining lamp. He was burning and he was shining. What does burning signify? Burning signifies his purity, inward purity. And what does shining signify? It signifies his outward testimony. Both is important to God. Both is important to God. Your inward testimony and your outward testimony, both are suppo- are important to God. Therefore, how you dress is important to God. Okay. You do not become a Christian because of the way you dress. But if you dress, if you are a Christian, it shows on how you dress. Your outward appearance, everything is important to God. Okay. Mark chapter 1, this is talking about John the Baptist. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance. Okay, all that he did. That is his testimony. But look at what it says. Now John was what? Clothed with camel's hair and leather belt and he ate locusts and wild honey. What was his life? What was his life? 9.14 Disciples of John, what do they do? They fast often. Burn inside and shining outside. Burning inside and shining outside. And the most important lesson, fourth lesson. In every word there is sacrifice. It is a part of your mind. Your mind and your thoughts are controlled by God. Third, it's a mark of consecration. That means you become accountable to God and to people. And therefore, you know what? If you are a believer in your office, they will not ask the unbeliever when you go wrong. When they go wrong, they'll ask you. You're always in the crosswires of everybody. Nicely, Jonah went downstairs and sleeping. Everybody is crying out to their gods. And what do they what do they say? Get up, rise up, or sleep, or what are you doing? See? We can't hide our testimony, right? Become accountable to God, and we become accountable to the people. Fourth one. It is a symbol of your anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is a, that is the source of all your strength. Okay, head. That is the reason why helmet of salvation is so important. Guarding our thoughts, guarding our minds, not letting any, any thing of the enemy getting into our minds. Messing us up. Don't listen to trash. It messes your mind up. You'll not be able to listen to the word of God. Don't read trash. You'll not be able to read the Bible. Don't listen to nonsense. You'll not be able to listen to the sermon. Mind, guard your minds. And have a fellowship of believers who will charge you up. What is it? It's a symbol of your anointing. 
source of all your strength. Okay. If the anointing is gone, therefore, everything is gone. If Saul, I mean, sorry, Samson, the moment the anointing of God left, left him, what happened? He became like any other ordinary man. What made him, what, what, what was the difference? The difference was the anointing. Now we have all these movies where they show Samson like a six-pack boy. I don't think so. Because it's not the six-pack which gave him the strength. It was the anointing. I believe he was a very skinny fellow. When you look at him and say, what is this guy saying? And when he does great acts like that, then you know it is God. Because even the Philistines knew, knew it. How is this fellow? One guy, how can he slaughter thousand people with a jawbone of a donkey if it's not the anointing? It's the anointing which gives, which gives, which gives you strength. You know what? When people are consecrated, it's incredible strength. You know that? Incredible strength when you're consecrated for any cause. It's like the Taliban. They're consecrated. Therefore, they're willing to die. Consecration gets, <laughs> gives you strength. And what is the cons- that because of the consecration, what do you have? You're the anointing. So they guard the anointing. Guard the anointing. Therefore, it says in Acts chapter 1, verse, verse 4 onwards, it says, be, be, be in Jerusalem, etc. And verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. How can you witness? Because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. So what should you do? First lesson. In every vow, there is a sacrifice. Second, guard your mind. Let your mind be totally be controlled by the word of God. And therefore, listen and think always and say, Lord, give me a delight for your word. Third, protect and guard your testimony before God and before man. Fourth, it is a symbol of anointing or consecration. Therefore, guard your anointing with all of your heart. And fifth and the most important, remember that he is a, who's that? Holy Spirit. I'll give you an example again from the Bible. How many of you have bank bank accounts? Everybody has bank account, right? Joint bank account? Anybody has? You have one. When you withdraw, who gets the SMS? Both of us get SMS, right? So you take a withdrawal, you get SMS. So if anybody uses it, you know, you have an SMS, you're alert. Okay. This is what this is so much. And why do you ask each other questions? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Etc. Think about this situation now. Jesus is there. Lot of people around him. Okay? Pressing. He's walking. And one lady says, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So Jesus is walking. People are around him. And somebody comes and touches the hem of his garment and immediately he's, he says what? Hello. Somebody did a withdrawal for my account. Who is that person? What was he doing? He was sensitive to the person of the Holy Spirit. See that? Very sensitive. See, in every relationship, there is some kind of a sensitivity. Right? Now, if you are close to somebody, something is wrong. One thing which which is wrong, which is unresolved, what happens immediately there is a there is a gap. You will feel it. And you can do nothing about it unless you talk it out and discuss and put it right. You know what? We talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We always forget that He is a person. 
and you have to be very 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 sensitive to the person we know we know this was very well from from uh, john's gospel chapter 1 it says the heavens were opened and what happened the holy spirit came and abided upon him you know what what jesus says he tells his disciples you go to any city and if a man of peace is there what will happen there will be a withdrawal from your account and if the man of peace is not there what will happen they'll even if there is a phone pay account it will be a fraud phone pay it will come back to your account again you know what it means right so sometimes your account your when you do a transaction doesn't go through it says sorry sir that that bank balance is not receiving that bank account is not active what happens your money comes back to you so you know what jesus says if you find a man of peace what will happen you'll have a withdrawal otherwise what will happen the spirit will come back to you why because he's a person he is very sensitive that fellow is not receiving me i'm not, i'm coming back remember the story of uh, noah and the and the and the and the dove what does it what, what does he do he sends the dove does a dove is flying 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 and it does not find any resting place what does it do it comes back sorry i can't rest on any of these fellows over here and finally when it finds life that is when it never comes back and therefore the most important thing for every believer is how you deal with the holy spirit as a person and we can never take these things lightly never because in the new covenant remember he tells i am going to the father i'm not going to leave you as orphans what am i going to what am i going to do i'm going to send a person just like me he is going to be with you and he is going to be where in you I'll tell you every time no every time you go to a place when you preach the word of god you know here I, I always tell you you are a fantastic audience no it's easy to preach to you because you've been trained you go to certain places you will see that the word will have no effect over their lives because the holy spirit says i'm going there but you know it's like my it's like your phone pay account wherever i go it's coming back to you again because it has no resting place at all so what is he telling all of us remember that he is a person this consecration is related to a person never ever ever grieve that person be sensitive otherwise what happened to samson judges chapter 16 when delilah saw that he had told all of his heart he was lulled etc you know what happens to this guy look at verse which says samson did not know what happened to him the spirit of god left him so efficiency chapter 4 will say this is very important efficiency chapter 4 will say do not what grieve the holy spirit of god message translation do not grieve god don't break his heart holy spirit don't break his heart be very sensitive very very sensitive to his voice and lord if you're not there with me lord what is it lord please tell me i don't want you to leave me i want your hand always to be there over my life okay don't grieve the holy spirit don't break his heart next it says so how do we grieve the holy spirit by not believing hebrews chapter 3 verse 17 by with whom was he grieved what 40 years who is this person this is the holy spirit if you hear his voice today don't harden your hearts right and who whom with whom was he grieved for 40 years was it not with them who sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness and to whom he swore in his wrath that he should not enter into his rest with those people who did not believe him so they could not enter because of their unbelief and he was very very sensitive to unbelief you don't believe him 
He will not come to you. He will just go away. So Lord, give me faith. Right? First thing, don't grieve him. Second, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Do not what? Quench the spirit. What is quenching the spirit? I'll tell you. How do you quench the spirit? No, you have a log of fire full of wood over there. Slowly take the, take one of the logs out. What happens? Slowly the fire goes out. So what should you do? In order not to quench the Holy Spirit, Hebrews chapter 10 will say, let us consider one another to provoke one another for love and good works, not forsaking what? The assembling together. That is the reason why it is so important for us to come together as often as possible. Okay. Because everybody, when they come to church, they bring a portion of their anointing. And when they come together, you know what? There is there is fire and we burn together. Our hearts begin to burn. It is together with the saints we'll be able to understand the length, the breadth and the width and the depth of the love of God. So don't lose fellowship. Come together as often as possible. Even more as you see what? The day approaching. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. He's very sensitive. You can put him out easily. That's exactly what happened to the virgins. <laughs> they lost the Holy Spirit after a while. Why? Most probably they did not gather together for the preaching of the word of God together. And did not exhort one another. And what happens? Slowly, slowly, slowly. It doesn't happen in a day. And it is important. It is important. So we should never, I mean, worst case scenarios, we are not able to meet together. We meet online. But it is important for us to see each other. You know, some churches, I mean, we do it here in our churches. They go to one another's home, stay there for a few days just to mingle with the brothers, to get to know each other. It's important. Otherwise, you will lose the anointing. You will quench the spirit. Fourth one. Do not cause the spirit to become jealous. <laughs> so first what? Because he's a person, right? I told you, he's a person. The spirit, what does he do? He yearns very jealously. So he says, you know what? Your affections are changing slowly. No? It happens even in a, in a, in a relationship. No? If you appreciate somebody else's food, oh, that sister's food was fantastic. Oh, are gone. Okay. I love the food. You're not even thinking about that, but you know what? You cannot give appreciation to anybody. That's what it, God is saying. You cannot give your appreciation to anybody other than me. That's it. Your appreciation belongs to me and me alone. Because it is a love relationship and I'm jealous for you. Okay. Jealous. So, do not grieve him. Do not quench him. Third, don't cause him to become jealous. Okay, because he's a person and he's very sensitive. So what do we do? What do we do? As quickly as possible, settle accounts with God. What do I say? As quickly as possible. You know why? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. The minute he convicts and he says, this is not right in your life, don't postpone. Don't postpone immediately settle your accounts with a person or with, with God. Immediately, quickly. If you have to apologize in order to make the relationship work, apologize even though it's not your mistake. Okay. Apologize first. Say sorry. Kya jara? Ek sorry bola to? Why, why do you want to hold on to it? I will not say sorry. Why should I say sorry? 
you know, there's a, there's a, there was a book written by Chuck Missler's wife. Why should I be the first to change? That's the title of the book. She had an incredible problem with her husband. And they were in the ministry. Why should I be the first to change? And God says, you change. I remember a pastor was talking about the instruction is for the person who follows and not the person who leads. And you know what she did? Lord, I'm miserable in my marriage. We are in the ministry. We're not enjoying one another. What do I do? Honor your husband. As Titus says, teach other young sisters to love their husbands. So what should you do in order to teach other people to love your husbands? You also love your husband. And you know what she did? That day, before her husband came back from work, she cleaned up the home, made the kitchen spick and span. She made the best meal for her husband. Cooked the best meal. That is how you lull your husband's temper. Okay? Sensitize him. That's exactly what Esther did. What do you want me to do, Esther? Please come home for dinner. She made the best meal. What do you want me to do for you, Esther? Come home tomorrow also for dinner. You know what she did? She won the favor of the husband. You know what Chuck Mr.'s wife did? She made the best and she put the, the fork and the knife and the table was decorated and the husband comes in. As irritated as ever. And then he says, where's my food? She says, nothing. Zip her mouth. And then he sits on the table. He's having the meal and the one morsel of that food he has and immediately, boy, she says, wow, that's awesome. And he looks at her, his wife and he says, he puts the fork and spoon down. Can we talk now? Can we talk now? You see how battles are won? Through love. That is what we call killing with kindness. That is the Brahmastra. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1. If your husbands don't believe, what should you do? By your chaste conversation, most of the time, cook the best meal for that fellow. Because the way to your husband's heart is through the papu that you make for him. My goodness, you make muddha papu, gadda peruku and uh, nei. You're shocked, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, my, my mother is to feed me, you know. You know, you know Gurumuddha? You know what Gurumuddha is, right? You know what? Anybody knows Gurumuddha? That is not Gurumuddha. No, 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 no. Nicely you feed. The, the food sticks to your hand. And you know what you do? You do to this, this to the plate. You draw all the food which is stuck to her hand and take that and then you put it in your mouth. That is Gurumuddha. People are shocked, you know. That is what, how you do it. You win the husband over with arguments. Settle accounts quickly with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Don't leave me. That is what David says. Lord, do not take your what? Holy Spirit from me. I lost it. I I can sense it. You're not talking to me. You're not speaking to me. I grieved you somewhere. In every relationship, it's important. You see, it is incumbent upon everybody to work and build trust in every relationship. It's incumbent. You have to. And you want to win the trust of your eldership in the church, you have to build it. You want to win the trust of God, you have to build it. 
You want to live in the trust of your husband. You want to, you have to build it. You want to be in the trust of the Holy Spirit. Be very, 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 very sensitive to him. The problem is the spirit of God departed from Samson and he did not even know it. You know why? Because he's very sensitive. Look at Jesus, no? One withdrawal from his account. Immediately. Bank account, we are very sensitive. Hey, you immediately call your wife. How come? Only this much money came to my account? What did you do? Very, very, very sensitive. How many times you call God and say, Lord, why is there no... You said you will fill us the Holy Spirit. I can't sense the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Why are you not sending? Did you ever ask God? There's something wrong, Lord. Did I grieve you? Did I lie? That is the reason why it says, if any man says he did not sin, what does he do? He makes God a liar. So he, therefore he says, do not lie to the Holy Spirit. When he convicts you, repent. Come back to him. Restore the relationship and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and he will fill you. Very important, my brothers. Because, because it is important for us to realize that we are dealing with a person. It's just not power. It is a person. It's a person. For today, if you want to win over your husband, make something for him. If you want to win over your wife, buy something for her. There no dates, Baba. Engagement date. Who told you engagement? You have to remember. Marriage, I can at least understand. But somebody, my friend, who took a picture of my uh, of my engagement day, he sent it to me that day. He said, "Vijay, happy engagement." I said, "Thank you, Jesus." Otherwise, <laughs> and you know what? They know it. So I said that, forwarded that immediately to my wife and I said, happy happy engagement anniversary, I said. Who sent this picture to you? They know us, they know us very well. <laughs> you see? You see? Understand? Buy something for her. Flower her up, man. Give it. See, you need to build it. There are simple things, but we have we take, we take them so lightly. Build your relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's a person, my dear brothers. Don't lose the presence. Practice the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Third consecration for the Nazarite. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. (laughs) What happens to dead bodies? They stink. You know, this is... It says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Remember that that story about, I mean, not story, the, the verse about Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. The Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of revelation, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. And he says, and his delight, your translation. Other translation, he will be quick to understand. Other, other translation, another translation, he will be very quick to smell the fear of the Lord. That's the word. That's the word. Smell. You know smell? See, you don't taste the food first. You smell it. You know, wherever some places when you go, you can sense the death over there. And that's exactly what, what Abraham tells, uh, t- tells, uh, Gera, I mean, the Philistines, Gera, right? His name is Gera? 
no, 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 Abhimelech. You know what he says? I knew that there was no fear of God in this place. Very quick to understand. Very sensitive. Very sensitive. We have very sensitive senses. Huh. Where we can sense the aroma of the food, but we cannot sense the aroma of death where there is no fear of God. Don't touch where there is something dead. In other words, separate yourselves with relationships which are dead in the spirit. Separate yourself. Because they are not consecrated to the Lord. You are. Why should anybody come? It is not that you don't love them, but they, they cannot give anything to you in terms of the spirit. There's no transaction that is happening over there. What can dead people give us? Nothing. That is the reason why he says, be separate, touch no unclean thing. What has an unbeliever got to do with a believer? What does Christ have to do with the Belial? What has light to do with darkness? Why? Because that is death and this is life. What has life got to do with death? How can you live with a body which is dying and decaying? In other words, what do you do? You bury it. What do you do? You bury it. You know what Matthew chapter 8 will say? Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. You know what Jesus says? Let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Don't let any other earthly relationship be just based upon sentiment. Oh, how can I leave this church of mine? Do they preach the doctrine to you? Do they, do they preach the word to you? Is the pulpit hot? Do they challenge you with a, with a, with a stronger and a deeper relationship with God? No. Sentiments. You see? Dead. Bury the dead. That's exactly the reason why, you know why the Levites were so, so dear to God? When they looked at their sister, they said, you are not my sister. When they looked at their mother, they said, you are not my mother. When they looked at their brother, they said, you are not my brother. And what did he do? Friend, brother, wife, children, he took a sword and slaughtered them. And you know what God says? Because you did this to me, the Yumim and the Thurim will never depart from you. I will give you revelation. I will give you perfection every day of your life. And you will be the people who will intercede for my people. You know why? Because you kept yourself from spiritual death. Jude chapter 1. Verse 22. And on some have compassion. Making distinction. But others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. He's saying don't. Not that you don't have compassion on them. Not that you don't love them. What do you do? You pull them out of the fire. But you do not even touch the garment which is touched by flesh. No. I don't want to. Don't, don't even want to touch it. You know that's exactly what uh, Gerard tells Abraham. Take all this. All the money. The souls are mine. You know what he says? I don't want even anything from you. Nothing. I touch nothing from you. Touch no unclean thing. I like the message. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. <laughs> Go easy. <laughs> don't say you people dead. Don't don't call them dead. Go easy. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks high to heaven. You know what happens? 
when people are separated like this when they love god with such a passion you know what they become they become a source of a, of of what do we call as anti corruption they they delay the corruption process which is in the world they become a source of salt to this earth and what they do they bring revival they bring the blessing of god to a generation and we are living in a i'm i'm telling you honestly my dear brothers and sisters you know 15 years when i was when i was in the west i know exactly what i'm talking about it's just one and a half decade back you write an application form to your university gender male female now you fill in the same application form choose your gender it's 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 become like that i mean it's stunning within a one and a half decade everything has changed it's crazy and everything has been accepted as norm it's like literally the frog in the well i mean frog in the water hot water remember slowly the temperature is being raised and people are dying spiritually and god says i'm looking for a generation of nazarites who will be separated to me who will love me who will have a relationship with my holy spirit who will never grieve his spirit who will never lie to the holy spirit who will never quench the spirit they will gather together and they will be sensitive to the voice of the holy spirit the convictions of the holy spirit that is the reason why we we asked you to come to the ministry of the word of god why because all scripture is is given by the inspiration of the holy spirit right it is profitable for what for doctrine for reproof what is reproof convictions for doctrine for convictions and if convictions are gone what happens to the society they are completely degenerate they just completely get assimilated into the world and there's no difference and it is imperative upon all of us to say lord grant me the grace so that i will stand as a testimony in this generation who will not compromise who will not compromise lord because i love you so this morning let can we all stand we are entering into a new month very soon 8 months are over 8 months are over just take a few minutes no few minutes think in your mind's eye i mean you don't have to do it emotionally you know just think in your mind's eye what did you do to god i mean what are the what are the things that you know that you grieved god and you were postponing or you grieved somebody in the body of christ and you're postponing you're waiting for so called right time and it never came You know what God says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts Today you're entering into a new month a ninth month nine is a number where God can make us fruitful God is looking for fruit in our lives And this morning can you ask God say Lord produce in me the fruit of repentance by the Holy Spirit fill me with your holy spirit convict me lord let me put my accounts straight with you i don't want to say why should i be the first to change because your word says blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of god we are not compromising truths in order to make peace we want to make peace and we want to make make speed peace by speaking the truth in love 
I pray, Father, for all of us. Father, if you have grieved you, if you have not been sensitive to the withdrawings of your spirit from our life, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, restore us back to that first love again. That we will be sensitive to sin. Sensitive to the convictions and the probings of the Holy Spirit. That we will have a sensitive conscience. Not a weak conscience. Not a defiled conscience. Not an evil conscience. But a sensitive conscience. A conscience which is under the control of the Holy Spirit and of the word of God. Which will show us and will tell us when we go wrong with God and with man. And like Apostle Paul, O Lord, we will always endeavor to keep our conscience clear with God and with man by keeping short accounts. Lord, enable us, Lord, never. Grant us the grace, even as we prayed in the morning. Sorry, Lord, we apologize for grieving your Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, you have not left us. You still come back to us with your probings. With your, with your love. And this morning I pray Lord that you would bring your children back to yourself again. And even as we are at the threshold of a new month. I pray Lord. That we will go into this month. We will step in, inside this month. From the new beginnings that we received this, this month. Into the next month. Hoping and believing for a fruit in our lives. The fruit of the spirit in our lives. There will be tangible fruit O oh Lord in our lives. That you will see the fruit of repentance. That you will see the fruit of light. You will see the fruit of, of our lips giving thanks and giving praise to your name. You will see, O oh Lord. And then we will give you pleasure. Challenge us all this evening, this morning, O oh Lord. Strengthen us with power in the inner man. Cause us to burn for you. And be a light for you. Let your spirit come and burn that which is of the flesh in our lives. And let your spirit enlighten us so that we can be a witness and a testimony to others. In our workplaces, in our homes, in our church, and wherever you place us, O Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would bless each and every one of us with a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, with a desire at least to seek after your Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord. Your word says, O Lord, you don't have because you don't ask. And you ask so many times with wrong motives. But Lord, I pray, you will find a bunch of people here in our church, if not all of us, who will desire and say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with passion. Fill me with love for you. Fill me with love for the brothers. Enable us, Lord Father, to walk with you. We are not going to be holy just for holiness sake. We are holy and separated unto you. Enable us to have that kind of a jealousy. The jealousy of Phineas. And the jealousy of Paul. Who says, I have espoused you to one husband. And I want you to guard your minds 
with that simplicity and a pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Enable us, Lord Father, to work on our relationship with you and with each other in the body of Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. Even as your children go into another week, bless us with your presence. Let your presence go ahead of us, straight and crooked paths for us. And I pray, Lord, that we will truly not let the word of God depart from our heart. We will not let the fowls of the air, of the air choke the word. We will not let the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures for other things choke the word. But Lord, we will allow the word of God to take root in our lives and bear fruit for your glory. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have fantastic fellowship with one another.